You're listening to the Guru's Book Club and Self-Improvement Podcast, hosted by Andy and Brian. And the quote of the day is, The time you plan to waste is not wasted time. Near all indestructible. I love that. And, you know, that really comes with, uh, it's saying there's a choice. And and that was the one thing that I I really am excited about this book is because he really starts diving deep into what really is distraction and what it is. And then, so once you've, you know, you see the problem, you're like, okay, then what do I, and he gives you something. Now he's starting to work on how to resolve those and really see them as, I think that's the one thing that you gain from insight is the ability to gain more choice over your life. And I think it comes with counseling. It comes with anything like that, um, that you're gaining insight to help your life. And then you make the choices. So it gives you that 30,000 foot view and you're making those choices to, you know, you can choose to be, whatever you want at that point i see it i know what my the repercussions of this are and i choose to do this so Mm -hmm. and you know i and it's really interesting because he he talks about um you know i i didn't read much further than just the the introduction and the first chapter right so the first chapter is still basically an introduction he's like hey this is what we're going to talk about still um <clears throat> but uh, he he says in there, and there was another quote that I was considering, um, that uh, the antidote to impulsiveness is forethought. You know, um, and being distracted isn't being impulsive. It's not, I mean, there is definitely no thought into it. That's the point, is that our thoughts are taken. They are directed somewhere with very little intention um, or, or control. And so, uh, yeah, the time that you plan, like um, you sit down and, and beforehand are like, hey, uh, I'm going to spend my time playing video games or, or reading, uh, he mentions like a romance novel or watching TV, you know, um, if that is something that you plan to do and you set aside the time and you stay within those those time limits, then that is absolutely not wasted time. That is actually probably very productive self-care time that you set aside for you. So um, and, and that's a big point to be said that rest is so important. And we've read that in so many different books that rest time actually is an ability to have identify self-care, that it's not being lazy. It's about taking care of yourself. And rest is, I mean, we I've read a statistic that said one third of our life has been sleeping, it's spent sleeping and resting. Should be. Yeah, because <laughs> it's good. About it's, people right. trying to cut sleep out in order to have more time to do other things. I'm guilty as charged with that one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even if you plan to cut your sleep short, 
I mean, here we are. We are up pretty early. We probably cut our sleep time uh, to do this podcast. It's um, good for us, though. It, some of it's good for us because you can be um, just sleeping too much. I mean, there's people that do oversleep. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I do like the fact that, like for us, getting up early, being prepared for the day, I'll tell you that when I get up a little early, when I get to work, I'm already there. I'm I'm in that prep. I'm already prepared and I'm already able to start jamming. And I think that's the reason why we got up early. We forced ourselves to get up early now. I got up early yesterday and I felt that my eight o'clock meeting that I had was more I was more cognitively aware for. Absolutely. And and again, it's that intention behind it. Why are we getting up early? Is it just to get up early or is it because you have something planned, you know? Um, so in a way, you and I, Annie, uh, we, uh, you and I were able to uh, do this indistractable a little bit, right? And we haven't even gotten to the book. I've never read this book. I'm really excited to dive into it. I'm really excited mostly um, because he said straight off the bat that this book is not going to get into mindfulness and meditation. And you and I have talked about mindfulness and meditation a lot in this podcast. We both agree that it is an extremely powerful tool in the tool belt to be used to help you in your day-to-day life. One of those tools that you really ought to be using every single day. Um, but it is not the only tool in your tool belt. Right. And, you know, he, he's saying he's mixing psychology with technology and all these different things that he's used psychology and technology to help businesses develop products that um, hook people, that get them um, more or less habit forming. And now he's like, but it can go too far and I'm going to help you to not take it too far. Anyways, um, so more than mindfulness, more than meditation. We have other tools in the tool belt. Um, I do, and maybe Andy, you you have thoughts on this. I do think that mindfulness is the uh, predecessor, though, to to much of the other things that uh, you use in your life to, you know, make change. Well, it gives insight, and so the the thing that we're trying to develop is insight into our lives. And I think that um, he will later in the book, um, there's some really good techniques that are actually still an Eastern philosophy of being able to, it's, it's, it's meditation without you thinking it's meditation. It's funny. It's, (laughs) it's actually the objects. It's actually focusing on objects of meditation instead of just doing the breathing meditation and mindfulness meditations on breathing it actually is meditations on objects and um still kind of a form of breathing meditation because you're visualizing an object and just seeing it and it coming to your mind and this is a form of meditation or of being able to see things as it is um seeing thoughts and and feelings on and and he will specifically talk about a couple techniques and so um i know that you haven't read that part so we won't talk Mm -hmm. about it here yet 
but there are certain as a pre uh warm up for it it's still using some of those same things it's it this stuff is interchanged and that's the one thing that it can be used in multiple ways and you see that eastern philosophy really kind of has really integrated with a lot of thought processing and it's i don't even know if it's eastern philosophy is more as just ancient wisdom that is something that these are techniques that work and yeah. western philosophy has started to adopt a lot of these ancient wisdoms and being able to use them in changing the way that we live our lives yeah well you know i'm kind of interesting um i don't know how much um literature is out there about uh native american practices and spirituality uh, you know we talk we talk about like eastern philosophies um you know our, our uh in america the the people that came that were here when the mayflower landed right and chris columbus thought he was in India, uh, uh, you know, how many of them uh, of these tribes and, and different groups of people had some form of connection with the world around them, right? I mean, we know that that's the case. Was it, uh, was it a formal form of religion or, or um, written down kind of thing? You know, you can argue perhaps about that. I haven't looked into it much. So maybe Eastern philosophy um, isn't the correct term like you were saying. Maybe it is ancient wisdom, you know, because it. I, I do believe that that kind of approach um, existed here in the Americas before, uh, you know, white people showed up. Anyways, um, I, would, I would love to actually look into the history of that so i got a cat in heat so um <laughs> we'll have to cut this part out <laughs> this, this cat does this right when i'm on the mic every time it's like, wow, wow, wow. um i think you so, should leave it in i think that, that's great for talking about being indistractable and having a distraction can we stay yeah. despite having a cat and heat in the background? <laughs> practice. Right. Do not let it get in the way. Um, so shamanistic, a lot of what we call shamanistic practice comes from, um, from what the Native Americans were really, they're religious, mm -hmm. and it was shamanistic. Right. Um, and most tribes actually did a form of shamanistic. And and actually, if you look at early Tibetan, that's actually, again, when I told told you that there was a mix of Buddhism that happened, um, the original um, religion of Tibet was shamanistic. And mm -hmm. so it was able to uh, interweave into that into that uh, culture through shaman, you know, and, and so there's still a lot of shamanistic um, beliefs and I, you know, ideologies and things that are still still in the Tibetan um, the, the uh, Buddhist version of at Tibet. The interesting thing is is that shamanistic was very um, almost you know if you take a look at it, it's very close to like what we believed is in Wiccan, you know some mm -hmm. of the 
the very early uh, European religions that uh, Christian Christianity took over after. But that's where a lot of our, you know, some of our ancestors come from. If you're Eastern European or Western European, if you're coming from Western Europe um, as an ancestor, a lot of the, there was an ancient religion, um, Druids, people like that. I think of, I, I think I'm from Britain. So um, a lot of those were still shamanistic. <clears throat> Dealing with nature and how did things in nature explain the way the world was and coming up with um, understanding of how this world works. And that's actually, if you take a look at, that's really what ancient wisdom, we call it ancient wisdom, but it's trying to make sense of the way our world is. And we've been trying to do that as humans since you know we've been around and have thought, like making sense of the world the way it is. And so we come up with different belief styles now the shamanistic has it's multi-theist. There's a lot of there's a sun god, there's a wind god, there's mm -hmm. different elements that uh, that are in play. And it's interesting that we're just still trying to make sense of the world. And then when we read these books, that's exactly what we're trying to do here: is we're trying to make the world make sense, or we don't like the way that the world is. In this case, for some of us. And we mm -hmm. want to add tools to the tool chest. And that's why you go to counseling, to be honest with you. Or, you know, or you get into a spiritual journey or um, some sort of philosophy, like, you know, philosophical uh, life where you're, you know, dealing, reading a lot of philosophy books. It's to make sense of the world. And that's exactly what our books that we read are about. Trying to make sense of the world and add more tools to the tool chest so that we can understand through wisdom and then through that insight that we gain from that wisdom we can use that appropriately to make changes in our life yes <laughs> mic drop <laughs> nicely said Andy. <laughs> um uh let's let's uh redirect to uh uh, a story in this um, first little part, you know, chapter one, it's about what is your superpower? Um, well, it's not about that, but it's called that because the author, um, Nir Eyal, is talking about how he is having an interaction with his daughter. He's supposed to be doing this bonding moment. And um, as he's sitting with his daughter and they're, they're doing this project, there's a question that comes up that says, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? You know, and uh, he admits that he totally is distracted as his daughter is uh, answering the question, what is her superpower? And he's like, oh man, I missed this, in you know, this opportunity to bond and to have this this uh, moment with my daughter, but he was totally distracted on his phone. And then the daughter asks him what his superpower would be. And he says, even though he missed her answer, he was still so distracted that he just said, ah, just one, one moment, I need to answer this thing on his phone. So he's on his phone throughout this whole interaction. 
And when he finishes, he's he looks up and daughter is gone. Missed opportunity to bond. And he says it's probably not a big deal. I would argue that it is. Um, and I'm going to guilt trip people here, not intentionally. I am included in this. In fact, I can think yesterday with my own son. Um, he's wanting to read a book and I'm answering a text from a client. Now, uh, you could argue, well, you need to, you need to do that, but I could have a better boundary and say, I will answer this text, you know, in an hour or, you know, at a specific time today, you know, but instead I, I have it there during this time with my son. He brings up a book to want to read and I'm answering this text. And just like near y'all, I'm just not present with my son who is, you know, he's two years old and he's wanting to read with his dad. What a great opportunity for me to, uh, to bond. And, uh, again, going back to saying, well, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's just one time, but it's really not. We do this all the time now, um, with our phones probably or, or computers or TV and we don't recognize it. And for those of you that are parents, um, this is a big deal. Uh, if you look at the, at, you know, human development and this time that children, two years old, younger, maybe a little older, right? Like this is when kids are forming attachments, they're forming their worldview and they're learning about life, you know, and, um, kids are going to start to believe that, uh, you know, cause they blame themselves at this age. They think they are the problem. If there's an issue, parents are arguing it's because they did something wrong. Parents aren't paying attention to them. It's because they're not lovable. And so, um, I would actually say that it is a big deal every time we, we do not pay attention. Now we're not going to be perfect. Um, and yet, uh, I recognize that my son is going to develop self-esteem based on his interactions with me, his mom, and the people around him. And if he is being ignored, if his needs are not being met, even if it's a simple need of wanting to read a book, that is going to impact him. Once or twice, maybe not. But repeatedly, which I know is happening in our world, I know I'm distracted. I know it's happening repeatedly. Uh, that will impact, you know. Um, but not only kids, also adults. How many of us are distracted from important relationships because of phones, because of TV? My wife and I argue sometimes about that one. And I'm like, I'm texting the client. It's like, we'll do it later, Brian. Yeah, agreed. My wife is right. There's my soapbox. <laughs> no, 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 but it's totally true. And this is the thing that if you think about it, um, it goes back to that quote of making choices. And there is no time wasted if you have choice behind it. Um, intention is everything in this. in this. So when you are intending to spend time, you'll go, hey, I, this is a priority to me to spend time with the people around me more than the phone. And you'll actually put the phone down. You'll find ways, and this book will help us, uh, find ways to be able to 
um, limit the limit the things that are distractions. And then at that point, once you can help start getting techniques to help limit, it becomes more habit to put limitations on your screen time or distractions of types around you. And then making the things that you are do, want to do more productive, like spending time with family, which is, in my opinion, that's one of the ultimate you know, good things about what we should be doing. We should be having more one-on-one -on -one interactions with family, friends, you know, giving them the biggest thing that, the biggest gift we can give anyone is our time. Right. And if you plan it correctly and you are not distracted during that time that you've set aside, how powerful is that, you know? And obviously, I mean, we're talking to a certain demographic when it comes to family and, and, and friends and, you know, children. Um, maybe there are some of you listeners that don't have children or, um, you know, are, are at a different time in your life. Maybe you're going to college or maybe you're even in high school. Um, or maybe you're, you're working and you haven't, you know, you don't have kids. Maybe you don't want kids, um, can't have kids, whatever it is. Uh, you know, the, the idea is the same. We all have social interactions with people. Um, and can we develop strong interpersonal relationships with them if we are continually distracted no we can't it's going to hinder our our ability to to form bonds and have connections and feel fulfilled in life um he brings up uh, uh you know in this uh that he was like okay i'm, I'm gonna put my phone away i'm not gonna be distracted by my phone and he starts to work to write a book and then he gets distracted by other books in his personal home library. And he starts rummaging through them. And he's like, so it's not technology that's the problem. <laughs> and we're talking about phones, we're talking about computers, we're talking about TV. These are really big attention grabbers, but it's actually not the problem. That is just one source of, of things that distract us. And he says that really the problem lies within, um, that you can replace one distraction with another very easily because it's a habit to be distracted. It doesn't matter what it is, we will get distracted. Um, in the work that I do with, with uh, clients that struggle with drug addiction, this is very common to have a cross addiction. So someone um, addicted to, let's say, heroin, they stop heroin, but then they pick up alcohol. But they think, you know, I'm doing so much better because I'm not, you know, I'm not doing heroin. You know, um, the alcohol is the problem now. It's, a, yeah, it's interesting that distractions are everywhere. And, and he really talks about that. And we will talk about that later as we read through the book that um, you'll find that human nature is easily distractible. And there's elements that he talks about in the book that kind of talk about that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's in human nature and it's in the way that our mind is set up. You know, biologically, our mind is set up to be easily distracted. It's just there's good distractions and then there's, you know, being aware of the distractions. I guess that's the big thing there is. And then putting your intention on not being distracted, finding techniques to help. Yeah. not be distracted knowing that the mind is going to be distracted 
that's what gives us the ability to um, do better things. But there's also, you know, it's also good and bad. Yeah. Distraction can help, you know, because there's times where if you were just solidly thinking all the time, uh, you would probably could get really lost in your own thoughts all the time. But distraction helps kind of give you a break from your own thoughts. And, mm -hmm. and so there is healthy distraction, but it's a matter of choice. Yeah. It's about being intentional, like being aware that you are d distracting yourself, you know, and, and obviously it's a work in progress. We are not going to be perfect. No one is. I mean, this guy writing the book, this is his, this is his main moneymaker, right? This is what he does is study um, attention, ba basically, right? He's studying attention and, and writing about it and habits. And uh, he's like, yeah, even I, like, I got hooked. That was the name of the first book he wrote that really took off. He got hooked to some of these things that he was writing people about, right? Like, um, like teaching about, <laughs> like, how, how do you, how do you form habits? You know, how do you get people to use products? And he's like, yep, I fell to it. My own, my own methods worked on me. <laughs> so, you know, uh, if, if the guy who's really the, the um, expert on this can, can still get distracted, then we know that um, we will too. And it's about being kind to that and just practicing it. You know, and that's where the mindfulness piece does come in. You know, the intentional piece. Um, but let's talk about a very specific tool that you can start using now based on what, uh, what Nereal is trying to talk about. Um, so he talks about having a plan, you know, um, again, the quote of the day was the time you plan to waste is not wasted time. So the tool is, um, quite literally, uh, a physical tool of, having some sort of a planner it might just be a journal. Um, I mean, there's plenty of planners out there that you could buy, you know, I'm finding things that work for you might be trial and error, but the idea is that there's intention behind it and that you have an idea of what you're doing. This is also something that works in, um, that comes from, um, Stephen Covey's, uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. Another another great great book that maybe we'll we'll read in this uh, podcast sometime. But in that he's talking about like you plan out a week instead of just a day at a time. You know, um, having a, an idea of everything uh, that you need to get done, the most important thing, um, followed by the next important thing, and you set aside time and you have a plan, followed with flexibility. You have an idea of time frames, um, but you can't always be in that much control. So the, the, the plan is, or the, the goal is to have a plan and the tool is having a planner so that you can write it down. So then you're not necessarily wasting time. I mean, you're not wasting time if you don't have a plan. <laughs> I mean, technically you are, but you're you're not getting distracted from anything because you didn't have anything to be distracted from. I think it's about bringing awareness 
to what you're doing. Um, when you write things down, a thought um, in this planner, probably writing down what your distractions were, maybe feelings were, things that you were following, um, you're going to be using this planner to be able to help yourself as a tool to be a, for awareness, to you know, really bringing that mindfulness awareness to your distractions. And that's what we're doing today is that's, that's what this is, is it's a way of being able to be, it's a, it's a awareness of mindfulness practice of being able to maybe see the thoughts that are distracting you. And then when you see them on paper, sometimes it's interesting that you are distract, you'll see all the distractions and be like, wow, that's very interesting. You'll gain some insight from it. Yeah. That's the first step. You know, being aware that there's distractions happening. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would encourage all you listeners to do, you know, is to find a planner that works for you. There's, I mean, all different types of personalities, right? Some will, will like something that's super straightforward and, and very, very organized. And others need something a little bit more creative, a little bit more fun um, that allows for creativity and flexibility a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe has colors and pictures and stickers and you know uh uh but i think the planner is the, the best idea my mother-in-law um before she retired she she worked as an extension agent with uh with the univer local university here um and she would always say um get a um get a planner screw your head on that was it screw your head on and get a planner if people were forgetting things or, or late or, you know, and, uh, man, I am, I have a planner and I try to use it, but even with a planner, I still find myself getting lost or forgetting things. You know, if you have a planner and you forget to check your planner, uh, that's a problem. <laughs> so, well, I have mine on my phone. So, um, Outlook or anything that is kind of like Outlook, Microsoft Outlook, has a calendar which allows you to put <clears throat> important dates down things like that that will help you uh get to right. be able to remind you and there's reminders it'll tell you like 15 minutes before the thing happens or two hours however you want to set it um yeah. that you're that this event is going to happen and then you can keep i will tell you that without um Outlook, I would be completely lost because during my day-to-day -day, um, employee life, um, it's it's invaluable. I, I that's the only way I know where to go next. Yeah, that's right. Digital options. See, I'm so stuck on like the physical stuff. I like the I like the the physical um, books. I like the, the the journals. I can hold in my hand, but that's me. So yeah, uh, I forget that there's all these digital things, and you know. Um, that can be very, very helpful. So yeah, um, for sure, that's really uh, the focus of, of today's uh, reading um, and, and this, you know, get diving into this new book, Indistractable by Nariel. That's the book that we'll be reading for the next few weeks. Um, so follow along. Please find it. Um, before uh, before we wrap up, though, uh, this podcast episode, we need to talk about Thich Nhat Hanh and um, uh, 
you know, we just finished his book, The Art of Power, leading into, into uh, you know, this, this new book, um, Indistractable. But Thich Nhat Hanh actually passed away uh, this past week. Um, and, and, and ending, ending, uh, a very productive, meaningful, uh, era, I think in, in the world. Yeah. And I think to continue, he's, you know, it's interesting. I've read so many little snippets from him where he was like, what I want you to do is just bring more mind my death brings more mindfulness to you more awareness of the here and the now and you know don't come and make a shrine for me but if if you do have make a shrine for me make it something that is something that you can take away some mindfulness and some you know hit your breath and your awareness of the of now and being able to realize and buddhists really have a philosophy of understanding death in the fact that it's just part of the part of the world i think everybody kind of has this belief set it's part of the world but their focus on it is that it's just a movement it's just part of the way that our natural life is going to end and part of what makes us us is that we age and we die and hopefully during that time you made your life more meaningful in the present moment and that's what he's always talking about and then when you're dying it's neither you're always in the thoughts of others and being able to use those thoughts and for him he was like hey i want my thoughts to be of you making a more mindful life for yourself that's a pretty cool that's a you know that's like legacy what did you leave as a legacy I yeah. left this world a better place. And I think that that's something that we can all strive for, even if it is small potatoes, you know, where we're, we're not influencing millions. We're just maybe influencing the people around us in some way, in a meaningful way that is uplifting and positive to them. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'll ever have the, the influence that Thich Nhat Hanh had, uh, at least not directly, you know, you think, how many lives he touched um, because of, uh, you know, just his activism and, and, and the way he taught his humble approach. I mean, he touched millions of lives, even through a ripple effect, even if you never heard about him or knew about him. Like, I didn't really know about him until we read the book, until you brought him up, Andy. Um, you know, but I'm sure the impact that he made uh, I felt, um, despite not really knowing about him. And that's kind of the thing that we're looking at. You know, you said legacy. What kind of a legacy are you leaving? What kind of, kind of a ripple effect will you have? Even if you're not rich and famous and well-known, that doesn't mean you're not impacting millions and millions of lives. Um, so remember that, that you are important. What you do does change the face of society. It's an interweb, you know, it's yeah, really it's like, an interweb. It's we're, we're connected to everything. Yeah. So, you know, rest in peace, Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, thank you for your words of wisdom and your example. 
of living a, a, an exemplary life and you will be missed. Absolutely. Amazing person. Mm. So uh, with that, listeners, we'll catch you next time. Continue to read Indistractable and uh, be your own guru. There you go.